Oh, hello there. I didn't see you there. Hello and welcome to the podcast where good trivia gets rewarded and bad facts are punished. Bad lies are punished. Mm. It's unprofessional. Bad lies are punished, but will we catch the lies? This is What's the Fact? You won't catch them on my watch, Warren Robertson. <laughs> That's Warren Robertson. I'm Ryan Whistle, and thanks so much for joining us. We're going to have lots of fun um, because Dietz has given us another strange challenge. Hi, you, Warren. How's things and yeah, good. In, thank you. I've I've been eyeing up this beer since we sat down at this uh, at the table because this is a this is a, a terribly exciting. Yeah, it's a Belgian quad by Woodstock oh. Brewery, who are our sponsors. And Woodstock. Have, yeah, and I haven't had their Belgian quad before, so I'm excited. You said go slow. Tell the people why why <laughs> we must go slow. Oh, because a Belgian one. quad is a good solid ten percent alcohol. Mm. This is like drinking a a barrel of wine. I don't yeah. fuck around those Belgians, eh? <laughs> Very nice. It's rich and full-bodied. I mean, they do. They really do. <laughs> <laughs> the Belgians are a naughty people. <laughs> like, watch the Belgian hate. Oh, who is he to say this about us? It's, it's a fascinating little place there in Europe. It's not a fascinating place, Ryan. It? It's a terrible place. Is it? It's boring. Oh, it's boring. Even Bruges, which people really love. Yeah, it's quite is pretty, like, isn't well, it? Well, yeah, for about a square kilometre is that central part, and it's oh, surrounded yeah. by a moat, and that's really pretty. And then outside of that is the devastation of the rest of Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. Anyway, Belgium. no, please, Belgians, come. Bring the hate. I've got, I've no. got time for that. Uh, their soccer team might might not win the World Cup. Their the football think, team. Yeah, they had their um, glory chance in the last World Cup, and they made it to the semis and lost to France in the semi, and then France mm-hmm. went on to win. But uh, they had like the Kevin De Bruyne's and all that. It's like... Quite a team at the moment. Yeah, this world, this year's World Cup is a bit weird, though, isn't it? It's yeah. kind of it's in Qatar. Qatar. It mur- they murdered like ten thousand Bangladeshis or something to to, build to the get stadiums. the stadiums built. Yeah, shame. I don't think it was mandatory. I think it was just lax safety protocols. Oh, shame. Cheers. Ah, it makes a lovely uh, Belgian head. This uh, Belgian sugar man. Sugar man. Yeah, that's what it's called. Cheers. Cheers. Yes. Yeah, but as you're right, the topic this week, we haven't quite settled on exactly what it was. You and I kind of got a little bit uh, twisted because initially it was Nobel Prizes and then it became kind of human achievements. Yes. So I've sort of stuck to the Nobel Prizes thing and you've kind of gone with the human achievements. So we've got human two two topics here, but we're, we're, we're going to cross-reference. We'll be, we'll be there and thereabouts, I think. You call it, you call it, no, you, you were suggesting yeah, no, Nobel Prizes. Yeah, no, Nobel achievements. No, no, but it's not Nobel, it's Nobel. Nobel. He's yeah. a Swedish dude, eh? Swedish no, dude. No, no. I, I mean, yes. no I mean, he may have been because he definitely oh. left all his money in Krona, in Swedish Krona. So yeah, maybe he was. Maybe he was. I just know that he. What the story behind it is? He developed um, dynamite and made a lot of money off of weapons. And one day he woke up and he found that the newspapers thought he died, and he saw his obituary. You know, like which was like, oh, the the purveyor of death dies and. He got so upset and offended with what his legacy was going to be that he he landed up donating most of his fortune to to the peace prizes and to to rewarding human endeavor, which is his kids must have been so pissed off. Yeah, shame. <laughs> yeah, they were like, "Damn it, Dad! Give be- us your gun money." <laughs> Probably not in that accent. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so so that's the story behind it, and obviously then like a lot of good and bad has come out of it. And apparently it's still, you know, he donated 31 million krona at the time. And now you get 10 million krona if you win a Nobel Prize. Jeez. And, uh, 
Yeah, and and apparently that's still coming off the interest of that thirty-one million from like oh, back in the day. Yeah. What a glorious investment! You see, that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. If you if you have money and you just save it for like a hundred years, <laughs> incredible things you can do. Is the krona quite a strong currency? Um, it's, Same well, as the ten euro. million. Yeah, well, it's about one to ten. I think uh, ten million works out to be about one point one million dollars. Yeah. Really? Yeah, about uh, eighteen point seven million rand. Okay. Yeah. Hey. That's but nice. but no, I mean, in terms of, you know, that's those are just numbers. Because in terms of, if you buy anything in Sweden, um, you have to give them a kidney. You know, like if you just want like groceries. Really? Oh, it's so expensive. Oh, yeah. shame. So such an expensive country. Oh, um, shame. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they did anything to anybody really. The Swedish, <laughs> not for a very long time. Anyway, but yeah. So the, so now we're on human achievement yes. slash the Nobel Prize slash. Yeah, and I've uh, I think we've got some some interesting stuff here. I don't know whether I started or you started last week. I think it's possibly my turn. Yeah, you okay. you go, you go mm. for it. Human achievement. This is speaking cool. of human achievement. This is a lovely beer. Thanks. <laughs> it's delicious. Yeah, Thanks, Belgians. All right. Um, okay, so because we were kind of talking Nobel Prize, I thought I'd do a kind of introduction to the Nobel Prize as my my first fact. Um, because my first fact is that uh, the official Nobel Prize policy is that you can't win it if you have deceased. Yes, you're not. You're not given the Nobel Prize posthumously. Yes, uh, they will. They will. However, if they announce that you're going to be the winner, and then you die before you can collect it, they will give it to your family. That's the one kind of like sticking point. The kind of where they're like, oh well. They, but they won't give it to you if you are deceased when it comes announcement time. Even if they were gonna. Like, you die an hour before announcement time, they're not going to give it to you. They're going to take it away. But if you happen to die after announcement time, then they're going to give the money and, and whatever to your family. Um, and that's their official policy, right? Uh, but despite that, and this is my fact, despite that, two people have won it posthumously. Ah, <laughs> well, I think I, I, I might. Yes. Oh, no, I don't. I've got another um, fact coming up later about a chap who was nominated many times, like the Oscars. Oh shucks, man. Okay. he's nominated so many times, he's never won. Uh, but he, uh, I don't think he got it. So I don't know of any who've won it posthumously. So, so did they do that thing? They were nominated and then they died just before the award ceremony. No, no, they didn't. They, yeah, they, they didn't do that. They, they were, they were it awarded it posthumously. They were dead. When it was awarded, that's what I'm claiming anyway. That's what I'm saying is the. Uh, oh no! Fact. So I, from what I know, uh, that hasn't happened. So I'm gonna say, no, that's not true. The Nobel Prize has never been awarded posthumously, true to their principles. Did it? <laughs> um, yeah, it is something of a tradition to start the show these days with, <laughs> with a lie, which is why I've broken with that tradition, and uh, and it is in fact the truth. What? Yes, indeed, it's, it's the truth, and the reason it's the truth is that that only became policy in 1974. Uh, so prior to that, it wasn't it wasn't policy. Oh, wasn't and it? Yeah, they gave it to two guys. Doug Hammarskjöld won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1961 by doing the most peaceful thing you can do, and and that is die. <laughs> <laughs> No, in he his, was the second. In his sleep. Yeah, no, he was the second Secretary General of the United Nations, and then uh, Eric Axel Karlfeldt won the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1931. But those two people have uh, have and were awarded it posthumously, posthumously, and and will now oh. remain the only two people 
to win it posthumously in death. Mm. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, what are you going to do with the money once you hit the grave? Yeah. And it's a lot of money. You know, we, yeah, were, man. we were talking about it before the show. It's it's 10 million Swedish krona. Yeah. Which is like $1.1 million or 18.75 million rand on the day of recording. Oh, that's a few rants. That's a few rants indeed. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking about something which will never happen again. Okay. Uh, that brings <laughs> it's me. It's sex, isn't it, right? <laughs> it's sex. That's what it oh. is. <laughs> like, don't worry, man. It's going to happen for you. It's going to be fine. It's going to happen again. <laughs> You're like those oaks who won it posthumously. That's when it'll happen. Posthumously. <laughs> You've donated your body to the Vitz Medical School. Yeah. Some freaks from Everybody's got to go to some funeral home at some point in their life, Ryan, and that's where we all run the risk of falling foul. Of. <laughs> mm. oh, now I've got Belgians and people who work in funeral homes on my... <laughs> no, we, we, know, we almost never fuck the bodies. <laughs> you know, sometimes. Let's see, you've absolutely... Yeah. yeah, Belgians, funeral people... Uh, Barrent, because you still oh, yeah. haven't paid your bloody installments. No, and I don't intend to Barrent. You yeah. come, you come, you break my knees. I've, I've had yeah. enough now. We don't have a Patreon account. We yeah. can't collect the money for this thing. Yeah. We'll, we'll go on a debt review, Barrent. <laughs> yeah. Talk yeah. to my lawyers, my debt providers. Um, right. So, oh, yes. So what's never going to happen. So we're talking human achievement. And, yes. and the most, uh, this is a very beautiful human achievement. Nadia Comaneci. Um, oh, no. So this is not even a Nobel Prize. No, no, this is a human achievement. But you do, you do get a medal. Very much so. Mm. This was, and it's, it's a special thing because you've been to the city of Montreal, hey? No, no, I've you never been, been to, to Montreal. I've never I been to Canada. Said... No, I've never been to Canada. I, I um, you know poutine. That's like come on now. You I know do. poutine. I do know poutine. That's right from the food episode. But I, I haven't, I haven't oh, been to, I haven't been to Canada because oh. they still, they still worship the Queen. I won't go to any country where the Queen is the official head of state unless it is England. Then I forgive you if you're actually <laughs> England. But if you're still supporting the monarch, even though you're Canada or Australia, members of the con- Commonwealth. No, I mean, we're a member of the Commonwealth, yes. but, but the Queen isn't the head of South African state. You know, you're allowed to, yeah, the Commonwealth, they're a little bit desperate, you know. They're, they're desperate for that wealth from the common, to the point that they'll allow you to disrespect their Queen. And that's what I want. I want Canada to abandon her, her Queen, Her Majesty, yeah. take her off the money. There's a House of Lords, even, in the Canadian right, Parliament. I've right. been there. Yeah, I've yeah. been to the Canadian Parliament. House of Commons, House of Lords. Yeah, no, they're... they're queen they're f- has the right to veto. Yeah, they're a filthy people. Canadians jump in the comment section. <laughs> Tell me how much you hate me. Um, no, okay, all right. So no, I haven't been to Montreal. Oh, I thought you did, but yeah. I thought because you knew Poutine so well. So it's I haven't travelled much at all, but I did after my trick go to visit uh, family in Montreal for two months. I know Montreal hmm. from when I was eighteen, and uh, it was the Montreal Olympic Games, nineteen seventy six. Nadia Comaneci from Romania. Uh, scored the world's first ever perfect 10 in gymnastics on a, on a routine. It's been done since. But she was the first. And the um, routine that she did it with, here's my fact, was the uneven bars. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. If I, How would you know if I seem to right remember. Right? What I've, I've, I mean, I've, I think I watched it, I think. Is it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, it's... Yeah, I, not, think not I, I, I think it's the uneven bars. I think it's uneven bars. Is it the is it the vault? I can't. You see, the thing is, gymnasts perform at all of those things. They do. So mm. they do. But yeah, my my initial instinct was that it was was on the on the uneven bars. I when you were talking about it, I was imagining it on the uneven bars. 
Um, I could be wrong. I could, I, yeah. Now, now you got me doubting myself, Ryan. Because you know me, I could just, I could just say no. It wasn't uneven bars. It was the but you see horse. The, but you see how gymnastics has, has come along since then. You know, like what you had to do then to get a perfect ten versus what you have to do now to get a perfect ten. It's, it's a different sport. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I think it was uneven bars. I can't. That's the one where it's the two bars, and then they they're swing uneven. around. They're uneven. Yeah, yes. and then they swing around and they. Yes. They twist and turn in the... Yeah, no, I uh, think it was. Well, yes, you're right. I wasn't uh, lying this time. It, it was the uneven bars. And I've I've been to um, the ice hockey uh, center in... It's, it's called the, the, the Molson Center. It changed. But it used to be the Forum. That's where the Montreal Canadiens... I, I usually wear their shirt... That's in the my worst, comedy. That's the worst sports team name in the whole world. The Montreal Canadiens. It's like the, the the local Johannesburg rugby team is called the Johannesburg South, South Africans. Africans. <laughs> that's ridiculous. It's rather silly. It's very, very silly. And so, but they got lovely kits. And in the 80s, they Hang were on, awesome. I'm not, I'm not done with this. I've, I've got some moaning to awesome. do. It's like when you name your football team Cape Town City. It can't be a town and a city at the same time. Cape Town City is the worst football team name in the history of the world. What are they doing? What are they doing? I've never thought of it what like that. They get that. their shit together. Cape Town City. Like you could, you could have named it anything you liked, anything at all, Cape except Town Cape Wonders, Town City. Cape Town United. Cape Town Rovers. Cape Town Spurs. Rangers. Cape Town United. Cape Town. Doesn't matter. Cape Town City. Only one that's stupid. Congratulations, whoever did that. You're a moron. If you are his family, please jump in the comments. Tell me how much you hate me. Might have been Benny McCarthy. No, I don't, all th- I don't think Benny United McCarthy. Fans are now part of the hate <laughs> club. I don't think Benny McCarthy would make that sort of mistake. <laughs> Benny McCarthy is, uh, is he's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, he goes to Man United. He's there like three days, and they beat Liverpool. Wow, you know? yeah. what a surprise result, my goodness me. Anyway, we're, we're dating this now. Yes, okay, so Nadia, what else do I have to say about her? She's, um, yeah, why that'll never happen again, uh, she was the youngest to ever, you know, get a goal, a uh, perfect 10 or whatever, is because now it's 16 is the age. Oh, right. And she was 14, 14 when she yeah. did that. And, uh, yeah, she ended up um, marrying, I think, an American dude, has dual citizenship. That year or? No, no, no. <laughs> Much <14>. later. <laughs> no, <laughs> but there's a chap in later on who gets married very young in my facts. But uh, what else about Nadia? Yes, and then she's quite a looker, you know, mm-hmm. even as a – Adult lady now. She's very. They've got a kid, and she's uh, done a lot of she, she'd be good work for 1976, gymnastics. Nineteen seventy six. You said mm, fourteen so, in nineteen seventy six. So nineteen sixty two is when she was born. So she's she's seventeen years older now. She's sixty now, right? No, she's still a looker. Uh, you know, I think that's a sign that you're getting old. Is it? Yeah, is when you're like, hmm, retirement age. Chicks. <laughs> Okay. See, Olivia Newton-John was all right before she showed Yeah, and shamed. the next step is dead people, Ryan, and now we're, <laughs> now <laughs> no. we're doing callbacks. And, oh, uh, so at the um, ice hockey place, uh, the forum, uh, mm. when you go there, when I went there, then there was a massive, massive, like, giant blow-up photograph on the side of the, the forum as you're walking in. Um, and you see the kind of side wall of the thing. Yeah. And it's a photo of her, like, in mid-flight, jumping oh. from the one bar to the other. And it's a beautiful, blown-up photo because it happened at that place. Right, um, okay. So, yeah, special, special. And they've even named a section of Olympic Park, which is their big stadium, the, Nad- the I don't know what, the, the Nadia Corner or Comaneci Park or plus the Comaneci or plus the Nadia, something something cool like that. So, yeah, Montreal. Is, and all you, have to, all you have to do is train for 13 years of your life. Yeah. I mean, at most – Tops, 
and then pull off a perfect 10 at the Olympics and that's what you get for the rest of your life. Pfft, easy. And Omega, easy. the watch, the, the stopwatch people, they built a little scoreboard you know, and there was the funny thing is they didn't know people could get a perfect 10 so they had only two, one decimal place that side of the comma. So it was, the judges went one. Ooh, and then one, like, huh? one? She got one for that per- oh, I like, No, uh, perfect. And they announced, got a 10, perfect 10. Wow, okay. That's, mm. oh, that's amazing. That's really, really That cool. is beautiful. But wow. I think, uh, you know, I was just thinking about it now, sort of extending my thought. I think it probably is easier to win an Olympic medal than it is to win a Nobel Prize, right? Because you, 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 the amount of effort, like some of the people who, who, who win Nobel Prizes are like 80 years old and they put their whole life into their science and then they win it. Mm. And I was thinking to myself, that must be true then. It must be true that it's harder to win a Nobel Prize than it is to win to win an Olympic gold until I thought of Malala Yousafzai, who effectively got got shot on a bus oh. and then didn't let that deter her from fighting for for education for women. But she was like 12 years old. Jeez. Yeah. Like, I mean, if she was to put in the same effort as an Olympic gold medalist, she'd have to get shot in the head once every week, you know? <laughs> For like 18 years, you know? That's what, that's the, so, so yeah, these things are very difficult to kind of work out, what yeah. sort of effort um, you have to put in to, to win these things. So what is, what, is, what is a medal? Do you, off the top of your head, know what a medal is worth at the Olympics? No, like as in Yeah, like the how gold. much does it weigh? How much is a gold medal? Is it, I mean, it, it used to be solid gold. Is it yes. still solid gold? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, it is, okay. Yes, I, I think so, yes. I know in Japan they made it out of recycled kind of phone and technology parts. Seriously? Well, I mean, they, they took out of recycled things. They took enough gold to make the gold medals, and they took enough silver out of out of recycled technology to oh, make I the silver see. medals, etc., etc. Et yeah. Right. Yeah. That's very different. Oh, at the end of the day, gold is gold, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Bet you can get a good good price for that. Well, you like a Zama-Zama or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like weigh it. Go home and see how much it costs. I hope South Africa's I bet you, I bet you South African that the, you fly in with your gold medal from the Olympics. And the South Africans are like, You didn't have that when you left, did you? No? You take it to did you declare it? It's like eight million rand. You ask tax for <laughs> you know, I bet you. But that's how that works. You have to you have to pay twenty five percent tax on that. You owe us one point two million dollars, you can't enter the country. Because security didn't watch the Olympic Games. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they they do make you declare your cameras. You're supposed to declare your cameras and your laptops and things when you leave the country. And then when you come back in, if they find you with a laptop that you haven't declared, they're like, oh, you bought that overseas. You have to pay import duty. So I'm feeling that's maybe the same with the medal. But, shame. But yeah, like the reason I asked is because with a, with a Nobel Prize, like you get you get three things when you win a Nobel Prize, right? You get you get um, the money, the 10 million kroner. Right, which is then that 18.75 million rand. You get a, a certificate, which is given to you by the King of Sweden, but the certificate's like an artwork. So you get like effectively an artwork, and then you get a medal. And then that medal um, is different depending on which Nobel Prize oh. you've won, right? So then you, you like the, the peace one is three men on it, like with their arms around each other's shoulders in kind of brotherly like love. And then the, the medicine one is like an old woman and uh, little girls giving her water. And you know, like so, it's they've all got different things on them depending on on like what a giant Saint Christopher. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a little bit, yeah, like a little bit. But then, but then, so obviously these are very valuable, right? Like people are like, because you win one, and then you know, collectors want them. You know, like collectors mm. want Victoria crosses. Victoria crosses are worth a lot of money. You know, like mm. to to people. And um, but we don't really know what these medals are worth because people don't 
put their Nobel Prize up for sale very often because generally, you know, whereas things like Olympic golds or Victoria Crosses can be won and then people descend into abject poverty and they sell these things, mm. with with a Nobel Prize, you're generally getting it because you've reached some sort of level of achievement. So you've, re- you've reached some sort of success within your society and you therefore have a position that can can earn you money. So mm. you're not necessarily like in trouble. So they they very rarely come up for sale. I know one came up for sale in like 2015 um, and and the guy sold it to cover his medical bills and it did apparently, $750,000 or something. Oh. It covered his medical bills. But what do you, th- it's like in the spirit of, of, of a medal is worth, you know, something is worth only what people will pay for it. Mm, mm. What do you think is the is the most a Nobel Prize winning medal is worth? Is this the is this, this the is, fact? This is yeah. Well, yeah. My fact is that it's worth seventy million rand. Oh, <laughs> good lord! So has one been sold for seventy million? This is what I'm telling you. At ah, least one. Yeah. For flipping flip sakes. Hmm. <laughs> you see, but there's other value. Like, who did it belong to, and all of that. Mm. So, but I mean, that that's part of the value, you know. Yeah. Seventeen. Million. Oh, you're saying you're saying one that belonged to Nelson Mandela would be worth a lot you more are. than one that belonged to like some oak what won it for literature in 1924. Yeah. Who did you read that? No. no. <laughs> yeah. What? I mean, it's possible. I, I think that's probably true. Actually, it's probably true that the story million, of the medal is worth yeah. But this one, this one is not necessarily a, a, a big one, and I'm saying that it went for seventy million rand. It's too much. I mean, that's that's. Let me do them. It's three and a half times the, the amount, the cash reward. Yeah. Shucks. Shucks. No, I say, I say it's too much. Too much. No. False, lying, liar, liar. Um, no, it's true. No. Yeah, no, it's true. How many, <laughs> how many times has this happened? Once. So, yeah, yeah. In 2014, uh, Dr. James Watson... Um, put his up for for auction and he put it up for auction for cancer research and and i mean this is now already showing you why it went for as much as it went for um he won the uh yeah he won the nobel prize uh for medicine in 1962 right uh because he's part of the team that discovered the molecular structure of dna so it's quite a nice one you know if you're gonna go for medicine but yeah he put it he put up for auction and then uh a Russian, a Russian billionaire by the name of Alisha Usmanov <laughs> bought it for four point one million dollars, and then gave it back to him, like wow. straight up, straight up immediately Jeez. afterwards, gave it back to him and left the money in for cancer research. Gee, that's nice. So yeah, that's a, that. That's what a, a Nobel Prize medal could be worth is four point one million dollars, um, under the right circumstances. But yeah, is is James Watson's one worth as much as say? I mean, even. You know, Tutu's one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Tutu's see, family listening to this now, like getting on the phone. How much? I, well, we? I think they're gonna become available. In, you know, maybe this century because because World Cup medals, Olympic medals, and Nobel prizes only dished out last century. Yeah, uh, there haven't been these things. Now they they're out there, man. They're out there. Oh yeah. So so yeah. It's not like are. antiquity things. It's not like discovering a gold thing in a pharaoh's tomb. It's like. No, I would imagine they're, they're in a way. I mean, you know, I mentioned okay. the Victoria Cross. I'd imagine they're very similar to Victoria Crosses. And Victoria Crosses are 
you know, their their rear as anything. And people buy them based on their story. Wow. So so the story of who won it and how they won it matters. But they do come up for sale because obviously they then, you know, oh, this guy was a hero, but his grandson is a drug addict. <laughs> 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 his grandson's got this Victoria Cross. So so that stuff, yeah, and it's possibly going to happen with the Nobel Prizes as well. You know, yeah. we should start seeing them leaking onto the market those 1903 yes. <laughs> you know, for economics yeah. <laughs> Nobel Prize. I wonder if you can go on <laughs> eBay and bang it out mm. I, I should have checked that before I came here with my, my bullshit I should have gone on eBay and seen if I could buy one for like a hundred bucks the literature one is going to be called it's going to be called Litcoin not <laughs> <laughs> nice Ryan nice <laughs> I mean ah uh, yeah, it's lit. Yo. Thank you. Um, so good. Yeah, good. Okay, your, yeah, uh, your I fact. I am talking, I'm going to stick with Nobel Prizes. Here's okay. one. Here's a dude who was like nominated. He's like the Tom Cruise of Nobel Prizes. Mm. He's nominated quite a few times, but he's never won. Shame. And that was uh, Mahatma Gandhi. Yay. Nominated a few times. Uh, then, you know, that's why your first fact um, threw me a little bit because he was nominated uh, the one year and then he died, was assassinated. And so they decided uh, not to award it that year. So that's like giving it to him uh, or something. Or or maybe it was the year before. And then, because, you know, because of that rule. Well, I mean, well, the so, rule so, was a 1970s rule, hey? Yeah, uh, no, no. So I heard that effectively they, they did nominate him. Because the, the nomination process is insane. As many as 3,000 people can be nominated for it every One single award. year. Yeah, yeah, for it every single year. All you have to do is fall within the the kind of requirements and you will unlike you are unlikely to ever know if you were nominated for a, a uh, nobel prize because they only unlock the nominations 50 years after after the nominations were made so we're starting to get those kind of gandhi you know uh, we're starting to work out exactly so gandhi was was nominated five times but they never gave it to him and in fact the the i know that the the committee expressed regret afterwards when he died that they hadn't given it to him at some stage. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah so I, I researched Gandhi and I've got a fact about Gandhi and as I was researching it, I realized I've heard a lot of things about him. I haven't mm. seen the movie with Ben Kingsley. I haven't read a lot of things about him and I know very little about his complex, complex life. Strange, yeah. crazy, beautiful life. And, mm. uh, and if he's uh, seen as a hero... In the world, I always like to be proudly South African and say, "Hey, we helped create a bit of that because because Gandhi, here's my fact, spent 21 years in South Africa. I mean, he did. Absolutely. Did you He there's a reason why Gandhi Square in Joburg is named Gandhi Square. You know. Mm -hmm. So are you saying it which 20, 21 oh, is I don't as know much? if it's 21 but it's it's around about that amount of time you could be Fine. lying to me no. you could be doing your your Ryan-esque lying where you're like oh it's 17 years <laughs> no, I was it's, actually like it's a really so blown away that I didn't mess with that one you're spot on 21 years nice nice yeah. Yeah. no 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 so so yeah there's there's things there's places that are named after him we've got a lot of statues to Gandhi as well yeah. uh, in South Africa yeah I like to imagine everybody's like oh he's a little man little skinny man and he must have weighed like 45 kilos I think he weighed 85 because his balls <laughs> <laughs> must have, yeah. Yeah. he stood up to some monstrous like he wasn't people. yeah he wasn't afraid eh? and uh, the story is very sad because he he, he 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 studied in London for three years he was part of some inner temple thing to become a uh, uh, advocate or a bar at the whatever the bar you know the legal thing oh yeah or an and, attorney uh, yeah. yeah and then he went back to India and then he, he got a 
a message to go and work in Durban as an attorney. And I was like, yeah, cool. This is going to be great. And got there and you just realized how how crap they were treated and uh, kicked off a train in Peter Maritzburg. And and, uh, then a crazy life. Um, Also fought in the second South African war. Second, what was called the Anglo-Boer War, and he started a, a regiment of, of just Indian people, um, and fought for the British. And he wanted to almost show uh, the British that they were keen, they were on board. And then after the war, you're gonna make us equal, give us the vote, all that stuff. And there was like, well, sure we will. Yes, that sounds like a good idea. And then after, it was like, no, never mind that. <laughs> and uh, there was like, what? And he was like, what the, what the fuck? He was like, what the fuck? Uh, don't do that. What the fuck? And then, um, so, and then uh, quite a bit of time in Joburg. Uh, there, there's an, he, he started a bit of an ashram thing, which they called a Tolstoy farm, named after the dude in Russia, the author. Uh-huh. And so I was like, what? He started an ashram in Joburg, like a farm, a retreat thing. A farm, and they, I don't know, you help people. I don't know, but it's like it's, it's like where is it today? It's uh, just to the left of part of outskirts of Alberton. Oh really? Yeah. He was he was charging people to go to Alberton for peace. A, yeah. It's you a, can't go to Alberton for peace. You go to Alberton to get murd. You don't yeah, go to Alberton for peace. There's those who are getting murd in the bars and shame you get murd coming out to, <laughs> to Gandhi's farm. But it was uh, there in in the Ritflay, what's now the Ritflay Nature Reserve, and it's quite funny because I think. Uh, when I was back in Joburg, there was I was part of a church which was starting a new church, and they were just starting up, and it was in Alberton. And I think they used to meet on a Sunday evening at that Ritflay farm. It's now called I don't know what it's called, something farm. Ah, uh, yeah, but it's and you, but the the property is now owned by. <laughs> this is so sad. It's owned by Corabrick. And they're like, uh, oh, yeah. So the foundation of the farmhouse is still there. It's like, oh, we might do something with it, maybe. Oh, so they're actually, they're aware of its history. At least. Yeah, like, yeah, maybe. Corabrick. This could easily have been one of your facts from the Joburg podcast. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of Gandhi in, uh, as I say, Gandhi Square, which is the yes, yes, uh, yes. central bus terminus. Yeah. I know in, it's, uh, mm. yeah, yeah, in the center of Joburg. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a fitting tribute for a man who used to walk everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have a bus terminus after him. Do you know he got married when he was thirteen? I mean, his wife was fourteen. Okay, what a player! Uh, <laughs> yeah, at thirteen, but it was, was arranged. It was very much arranged. No, at thirteen, I was some six years away from kissing a girl, <laughs> and he um, he had four kids, four kids. I didn't even know he had kids. I thought he was this kind of monkish type of chap. I don't know what happened to his wife in his latter years. No, I told you. I told you, Ryan. The 40 kilogram testicles, the man had to do something with them. He had to, uh, you know, of course he had four kids. No, man, his kids have gone on, well, certainly his relatives have gone on to be big political players in India. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say that boldly with a kind of only half remembered idea about it. But yeah, Mm. yeah, I seem seem to recall that. Wow, man. There's my Gandhi fact. 21 years in South Africa. There you go. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um... And and as you say, he didn't he didn't get a, a Nobel Prize. No, you know I mean, you know he was like the father of of I mean he's often called the father of of Indian independence and mm. you know inspired a lot of freedom movements around the, around the world I would say, and then they didn't give him a Nobel Peace Prize. 
Yeah. So it's kind of difficult. Like they, they, their choices are sometimes a little bit suspect, you know. And and the reason I bring that up is because my, my next fact is, uh, you know, uh, well, proving that a Nobel Prize neither makes you smart or or a good person. Um, no fewer than three Nobel Prize winners have been firm believers in eugenics. Ooh. And, uh, yeah, and eugenics is obviously the study of um, arranging reproduction within within the human population to increase to increase the occurrence of of positive traits. So you mm. kind of like certain people must have sex with certain people mm. so that they can have children, so that we can we can slowly breed a more pure. Brilliant, clever, intelligent, good-looking race, and of course, the the most famous people who believed in this were were the Nazis. Mm. So, so, mm. so yeah, so it's the Nazis, and yes. apparently, at least, and I'm saying at least three Nobel Prize winners. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Is that your fact? That's my fact. Yeah. Man, that that's so. Like, firstly, the the, the funny thing about that Aryan race is then you got Hitler, who's like. You know, short and got black hair, and it's like. Oh, you mean in terms of the, the, the yeah, kind of the Nazis? The, yeah, but it, yeah. so, so it's but, not but, necessarily but Aryan, no, but no, it's, yeah, it's about it's about breeding a. But the uh, eugenics is a, is a funny thing because it does creep into into the modern world, and it's got all sorts of ethical issues. Like if you, they're saying if you, in the future, um, um, a mom and dad might be able to pick. Uh, what their kid will look like and right and stuff and maybe eliminate certain things and have certain things and and it sounds all very amazing and sciencey and moderny but it's a it's a form of 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 eugenics, eugenics perhaps uh, yeah when you're starting to toy with things and use that you know expression playing God but I think. Uh, yeah, it's it's just it's just about applying ethics to your to your. But I think thing, also, you know? so so the science has sort of disproven it. The science says, you know, that there is a chance that if two intelligent parents come together and they have a child, they, that child does stand a greater chance of being intelligent. The, so this, the science does kind of back it to that level. Mm. But it also says that you know we we quite often get situations where very intelligent children are, are born to to quite average parents and there's loads of stories about that and if we if we go the eugenics route we kind of remove that that kind of that, randomness that, that, yeah that random aspect of, of mm. DNA coming out generations later maybe yeah uh, you know and inspiring a true genius like an, an absolute yeah so so uh, eugenics has been largely scientifically disproven I mean and I say largely because mm. only because I don't know and I, mm. I like to use those those journalist weasel words but like like allegedly and uh, largely and, you know <laughs> but it uh, but i mean it's it's pretty much been disproven and and so it's interesting to look back in in history and kind of say that oh some of the smartest people in the world believed in it and that's that's why this is my fact because i think it's uh, a bit like, i would i would say that this this fact is uh, is true actually and it's uh yeah it's it's unfortunate it's easy to judge history um and maybe they did have weird views. Um, I mean, look at Gandhi. We didn't even talk about the fact that he uh, wasn't particularly nice to African people, uh, although he did fight for the rights of Indian people. So, uh, Gandhi lovers, jump in the comments. Yeah, Tell us how much you hate us. <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. So maybe these three Nobel Prize winners, they didn't know any better back then or in their context. And they, they're so eugenics, rock and roll. I say yeah. you're right. You're speaking the truth. I think the interesting thing about about what this this topic kind of brings up is the fact that quite often you win a, a 
a Nobel Prize for physics. And then what happens to these guys is they they start to believe that they're much smarter or much more brilliant in all departments. I you know. know. So so they start talking out of turn about about areas and things that they don't necessarily know about. And there's there's quite a lot of examples. If mm. I if mm. I went into all of those. I would spend <laughs> I would spend all night talking about like Nobel Prize winners or just yeah, no, academics no, no, in, like, in the modern oh, era. No, yeah, well, academics as well. You know, you you get these academics who think because they they've achieved some level of degrees or success at some small university yeah. that now they know about everything. Mm. Jordan Peterson, I'm looking directly yeah. at you. You yeah, he, he, like, he covers a vast spectrum of things. Yeah, um, a lot of vast spectrum of 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 ignorance. Um, but yeah, so. Jordan Peterson fans. <laughs> <laughs> you just leave a comment, click a dislike, whatever. Dislike doesn't matter anymore on YouTube. We don't mm. care. Um, but yeah, so there they were indeed. You're absolutely right. There were at least three yeah. um, former science-based uh, Nobel Prize winners who ended up being supporters of eugenics. And I'm going to start with the obvious one, Philip Leonard, who, who won the 1905 Nobel Prize for Physics with his experiments on cathode rays. So he uh, <laughs> he seems to have won the award in 1905 and then gone kind of steadily insane because by 1920s he was just, he was one of the the few major scientists disputing Albert Einstein's theory of relativity and he wrote four volume sure. physics text uh, called The Deutsche Physik about German physics uh, which was almost completely ignored and it was all about like um, like why Einstein was wrong, and he he slowly <laughs> and he took umbrage. Yeah, but Einstein obviously, you know, famous Jew, and he uh, ah. yeah. So 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 this guy Philip Leonard slowly becomes increasingly Nazi. Joins the Nazi Party early on, and he becomes convinced that eugenics and the pure Aryan race is perfect, and that. Uh, but what nationality and, and, was he? So he's German. So so he so he even beyond this. He starts to believe that German science is better than Jewish science because cool. Germans have a natural propensity for science. Cool. And just, yeah, so he so he's an obvious one, right? He's he's just a Nazi, right? Like he's he's just a, a dude who won a Nobel Prize and then became a Nazi. Damn. But there's 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 more than that, right? So there's Alexis Carrel, who's a French surgeon. Uh, he worked on sewing blood vessels together, which basically made modern surgery. So he won he won a Nobel Prize for medicine in 1912. Uh, in his book *Man: The Unknown*, which sold more than two million copies, allegedly, wow. uh, this is the, this is the beautiful part. He argued passionately in favor of eugenics. He said, uh, "Yeah, he said effectively that uh, people need to be kind of put together." He praised German um, and the era for this dude. Is so this, this is so he was 1912. He won his award. Shit. 1935. He wrote he wrote that book. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So so he he spoke. Oh. Yeah. I mean, he spoke about how. How they've got to be careful that you can't you can't propagate the criminal mindset. And he started going oh, heavily. He said there's a there's a key error in the U.S. Constitution where he said that that you know the the feeble-minded should not be granted the kind of rights before law that he should be granted. You know, he was like, oh, I should I should be greater before law than. And this is a yeah yeah. So so that's Alexis Carroll, delightful human being, and French French. So I'm I'm pretty sure that Germany told him exactly how little they cared for his beliefs when yeah. they invaded his country yeah. a few years later. Um, but the the really big one was um. It was William Shockley who he was part of Bell Labs' uh, team that invented the transistor, and the transistor obviously became very important with uh, with the computer, with the creation of the computer, and so it's so a big kind of thing. But then he 
he had a, a, a wee meltdown shortly thereafter, and he started self-destructing his his career. Essentially, he went on this on this big um, campaign saying that we need to sterilize people with IQs below a hundred, and uh, that that essentially. Yeah, like 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 black people need to be excluded from being allowed to breed. Good and bloody grief! Yeah, and 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 then he he called for a super baby sperm bank at which only the the top levels of society would be allowed to donate to, and in fact there was a there was a guy by the I'm just trying to remember his name now Robert Graham I think was his name, who who founded a sperm bank at the time and for like a super baby kind of sperm bank at the time and said that. You know, he managed to attract three Nobel Prize winners to to donate to this particular thing. So that's why I say there's at least three who are into eugenics. Wow. Uh, William Shockley was the only one who was prepared to to admit it. But this is 1956, so this is now post World War II already. Um, and and William Shockley, there was this big outcry in America, and he was forced to kind of retract it and and back away from the sperm bank. But that sperm bank lasted another 12 years. This My word. Superior. Yeah. So so these are. Three people who who should have known better, really. Yeah. Like honestly, like and you, Shockley also before before thirty nine. Hey, 19- no, no, no. So as I say, he won his Nobel Prize in for physics in nineteen fifty six. Good grief! You know, because that, that's a big surprise. Because I think there was a lot of weird ideas floating about Europe in the in the mid thirties, and uh, and then the horrors of the Second World War showed that actually, if you take this stuff to its uh, you know nth conclusion to the nth degree you could get a horrific situation of of what what happened in the second world war and i think it made a lot of people go whoa you know yeah (laughs) a lot of people yeah i tell you bro i tell you bro you know the the, the concentration thing made a lot of people go whoa you know (laughs) ricky gervais does a funny thing about like nietzsche's philosophy if nietzsche was alive today i would like your book uh we're gonna do what it says oh good kill the jews what (laughs) Well, I didn't say that. Uh, that's what you meant, though. Uh, uh, and it's like, yeah, if, if Nietzsche was alive in the Second World War, surely he would have gone, hey, guys, I didn't, I didn't mean that. Uh, but not that it was totally Nietzsche's fault, but that kind of, yeah, the eugenics kind of thing. And, you know, it creeps into the modern world. Like, you get unpleasant uh, religious people and you get pleasant religious people. Religious people get pleasant atheists, and you. But you get some. <laughs> oh, thanks, right? You get some those who who are also ignorant of the science, but they'll just decide that they, they're like that. There isn't any god or meaning or anything, and then they start saying things like, and that's why uh, we've, you know, by letting everyone breed, we are actually weakening the human race. We should only let the. And then, but this was I had this conversation around a bry, mm. uh, in like Randburg in, in like 2015. Yeah, you know? but I mean to be These fair. Are, that was for your Ku Klux Klan club. <laughs> like that was. I was having this conversation. These people were coming up to me with these horrendous fucking theories. Yeah. And I thought the Oaks at the Ku Klux Klan club was just a ghost society. And I just <laughs> like, hope Conrad's idea never catches on. I mean, 2015 around the Brian Randberg that only the clever people must breed. But then, because there was even this movie yeah. uh, about this uh, post-apocalyptic state where clever people started have, but it was a comedy. It was a dark mm. comedy, American one. Clever people realized they need to have less kids, so their conclusion was only 
dumb people were having lots of oh, kids. Oh, it was just idiocracy. I think so. It's and then amazing, there was a thing yeah. called, uh, pardon my expression, folks, but there's a thing called like buttfuck burger. You know, you uh, get, your, get your burgers from buttfuck yeah, burger. It's, it's so everything was like white trash. And, <laughs> and, and then they, they can't grow any crops. It. They can't grow any crops because they're watering everything with Gatorade because they're like, Gatorade is superior to water. <laughs> why, why are these, like, why? So it's like, yeah, it's that, that's, it's part of the, maybe it's part of the kind of um, message or fear. But hey, if it's a valid concern and it's a valid philosophy that's fine but but it's it's a weird gray ethical but, but area. as i say as i say it's it's a nice thing for people to research for themselves is to jump into seeing just how many nobel prize winners are actually lunatics like how many of them went on to become because because it really does send you a very strong signal that just because you are in the elite academic or you know, uh, success fields in the world know. doesn't necessarily mean you're an intelligent person Humans well, need humans, man. You're good at one thing, someone and, else is good at that, something that else. that alone for me is proof that eugenics is a disaster because these guys would have just bred that kind of you, you know level of, of thinker, whereas they themselves were that level of thinker but defective. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's already that kind of lack of self-awareness. Anyway. Oh, my word. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm digging the Nobel theme. I've got a few other human achievements coming up which aren't Nobelish, but we'll stick with the Nobelish thing. And uh, once again, me, a proudly South African Nobelish thing. And no, oh, nice. I'm not talking about um, Nelson or, or Nelly, Desmond. or was or Nelly Effia. M. Effia got it. He shared it with, with Nelson. Eh? And then Desmond got it another time. But I'm talking about literature. We have two winners, mm. two, two winners, and I'm talking about the first winner. Wikipedia still has a picture of the old South African flag, but maybe it's because it was 1991. It's the person who wrote Trompi, is that right? Yes. Yeah. And the Boxon Bender. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah it's I love a, whoever, that song. Whoever wrote Trompi and the Boxon Bender yeah. definitely won a Nobel Prize, I'm sure. So there's a lady, and I must uh, show my ignorance here that I know very little about her, Nadine Gordimer. Okay. Uh, she won a Nobel Prize. Uh, it doesn't say for what. It's not like winning an Oscar. Mm. Well, it's supposed to be the work you've done in the previous year, or could it be over your life? I'm not sure how they adjudicate. No, they it. do. Yeah, they do say what you what you won it for. They generally give it a sentence. Do they? So yeah, Tom Cruise I think, I think, or Jerry Maguire. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you like you're gonna I'm gonna make you very uncomfortable now because I'm gonna tell you what hers basically said. Like, because hers basically said something like for a contribution. To enriching the world, mm. uh, yeah, to make the world a better place, or so something like along a, those lines. Yeah. A book or two no, it was for all for of her books. Yeah, it was for yeah, because she had Burger's daughter, July's people, or two of the big. She ones. had she had three books banned by the apartheid government. She was obviously like her her works were quite anti-apartheid and quite like you know, but but subtly so. They were they were ah. they they spoke about life in South Africa. But in a subtle way, uh, she does have the one, and I've forgotten the title of it, where she she kind of writes about how white people are being oppressed. Really, and it's like this this kind of like flip system, which oh, yeah, in the okay. middle of yeah, in the middle you of mean psychologically oppressed. No, 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 no. Like so, so she no, no. So she writes oh. it as a flip society. She's Ooh. like, imagine if oh. this was your family that was being Ooh. that was being oppressed. Yeah, she's got she's got the one, and that one's kind of overtly political, but most of them are quite subtly political. Sort of a, a Margaret Atwoody sort of vibe. Why? Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Uh, my fact about her is was a very pleasant fact because uh, uh, I say. She was born in Springs. Yeah, she was. I have a Springs yeah, connection. Yeah, she was. She was born in Springs. And and in fact, <laughs> shame, Ryan, you've dived yourself right into my area of expertise, yes, unfortunately. Yes. Um, You're right. Let's just... <laughs> 
Take that little box. <laughs> yeah, no. She was um, born in Springs. So she, she was, and uh, I think it was about 11, and she was in a store in Springs when um, she watched... 7-Eleven. Like, no, no. She was 11 years old. <laughs> she was 11. Oh, how much of that beer have you finished? Um, no, she was, she was in a store in Springs, and she witnessed a, a thing where uh, a white store owner wouldn't... Um, wouldn't sell a, a black guy a pair of pants on lay-by, oh. but insisted that he pay for it oh, up shame. front. And she was, uh, she, she at 11, she was like, no, that's that's not right. This guy's being treated badly. And then her first book, she, I think she published it about 15 or 16. She got her first like published work. I don't know if it was a book. Yes, yes, yes. At about 15 or 16. And then, and yeah. And I, I think she herself said, if I'd been born in some other country, I may not have been political because... It was yeah. She said she said I was just kind of writing stories about the people around me and the things around me. She said because South Africa was like that, and because I was noticing these things, that's what mm. I happened to write about. And ultimately, yeah, got three books banned by the government. But I think because she was never like actively calling for the dismantling of the apartheid government openly, you know, everything was quite subtly done. They never arrested her or threw her in prison or, or did any of that stuff. But they. Um, but yeah, she uh, she she was definitely and 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 at the end, Nelson Mandela said that he read her unbanned books in prison and that they'd given him an idea of how white liberals think. Oh. And he he never said whether that was positive or negative, <laughs> you know. To his he uh, he was he was a he was a politician. Oh, was <laughs> so great. he never yeah. So he never said whether whether he he thought the way that white liberals think is good or bad. He just said no. Yeah. Reading Nadine Gordimer gave me. Give me an insight into that. But they ultimately, they wound up being friends, I think. Yes, well, do you know that she uh, helped him with his Ravonia trial speech? I did not know. Yeah, yeah, she did. She edited it for him. And uh, he was one of the first people, she was one of the first people he visited coming out of prison. So they were definitely friends. And yeah, she's a a big player. And she, she got into politics as well, and it, to me, it's uh, South Africa did funny things to people in the past, like even Gandhi didn't intend going into politics. Nadine Gordimer didn't intend going into politics. Yeah. I don't even think Nelson Mandela intended going into. I think politics. I think Nelson Mandela did, and I think it's good, and I think he was one of the few that that was politically astute enough. You know, like his friendship with Nadine Gordimer is, I think, yes. a very but, clear but indication of astute Joburg, politics. It was more just to be a lawyer and I mean, he said he came to Joburg because all the ladies were here. <laughs> That's what he said. I mean, whether he whether that was the reason or not, who knows? But but you know, at his I think it was inauguration speech, he read mm. uh, Einke Kroch. Mm-hmm. That was not a mistake. You know, like his friendship with Nadine Gordimer was unlikely to have been a mistake. It was mm. clearly a, a an offer of of reconciliation. Um, so wow. so yeah, but um, but yeah, Nadine Gordimer is and and. She brings up a, a sort of an interesting point for me because she's the only female winner. South Africa's got 11 Nobel Prize winners and she's the only only woman. And then you think, oh, well, maybe South Africa's like that. But that's that's not the case at all. Like um, around the world, oh, almost yeah. a thousand Nobel Prizes have been given. And this is, this is leading directly onto my next fact. But almost a thousand Nobel Prizes have been given. And of those, only 58 have gone to women. Good grief. That's my fact. Um, yeah, I mean, I scrolled uh, the list in various categories, and uh, it is something I did notice. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Peterson will say it's because of the contraceptive. You know, there wasn't contraceptive back Jordan then. Peterson can eat yeah, my so. dick. 
<laughs> like, if Jordan a, Peterson fan. <laughs> he might, if as long as he's got a contraceptive over it. Um, honestly, honestly, Jordan Peterson. No, Jordan Peterson will eat my dick because he only eats meat, apparently, and then he gets incredibly sick and goes crazy. into this disorder. Anyway, I'm not even going to talk about Jordan story. Peterson. Fuck that guy. Wow. Right, we're on, we're on uh, much I more interesting. Yeah. yeah, we're on much more interesting people than <laughs> okay, Jordan so fucking Peterson. 58 of the 1,000 and something were women. Um, no, no, shucks, it's not 1,000 and something. It's almost 1,000. Is it almost 1,000? Yeah, almost 1,000. 1901 and what, five categories. So, yeah, that's it's almost 1,000 and 50. Only 58 of them are women. Man, it actually um, it sounds that sounds low. I, I was hoping it would be ten percent, but no. I th- I think you know those traditional. It was traditionally physics, chemistry. Okay, then it became medicine and stuff like that. Uh, literature, I think, was maybe an add-on. Um, there were a couple of add-ons. Economics was an add-on. Maybe literature was always there. Medicine always there. Physics. Chemistry and physiology for some weird reason, or is that medicine? But but because even you know in the first half of the last century, it's been a very um, man's world. So literature has helped things, and all all categories have been helped since then in terms of equality for women. But I'll say no, fifty-eight's right. I'll say you're telling the truth. You're horrifyingly yeah, yeah. I am. Yeah, horrifyingly. Come on, ladies. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Put more effort in, chicks. Get in the labs and stop. <laughs> no, man, but you know that it's actually entirely, entirely down to the misogyny of the of the committee the, really? that picks these things. Yeah, it's not even that women are – because there, there's many examples of women who, like, landed up com, like contributing to, to big discoveries that were left off the list. Oh. It's many women who, who actually came up with discoveries – or that were critical in the the advancement of a, a discovery that then gets left off the list. And I've just got a couple that, like Jocelyn Bell Burnell, she discovered pulsars, you know, which are obviously like collapsed stars which don't have enough gravity to turn into black holes. So then they become these kind of spinning, like I suppose, uh, light-emitting, radio-emitting kind of... Uh, yeah, it's wow. supernovas. And she discovered them. That's amazing. Yeah. And uh she she discovered them on her supervisor Anthony Hewish's telescope, which she had helped to assemble. And then uh Hewish Hewish went on to win the Nobel Prize for physics for his decisive role oh. in the discovery of pulsars, and then she was not included in that. And and I don't think he he talked about it because you know I think you've got to split the prize money if you if you split the prize. So it's like some aspects of the TV industry. You pitch a show to the broadcaster; <laughs> they own <laughs> the concept, but it was your idea. And then right? if they sell it overseas, which doesn't happen much yeah. anymore, but then you don't get jack because they own it because they have paid for it. But it was your idea. But that sounds like what happened yeah. to. Mrs. Spinning Star Lady. <laughs> Mrs. Spinning. Jocelyn Bell Burnell. You see is now what a misogynistic thing that was. There's No, you, you can't remember everything. And then there's Esther Lederberg. Especially not uh, after a 10% of Belgian. Esther <laughs> uh, Lederberg was a pioneer in bacterial genetics and, and immunology who um, did a lot of kind of studies in antibiotic resistance. And her husband, Joshua Lederberg, the molecular biologist, won the Nobel Prize and her name was excluded off of that, uh, she wasn't even mentioned in the award or in the receiving of it. You know, so there's there's all these kind of horrifying stories, and I know there's a, there's another one that uh, that that I haven't uh, haven't written down specifically, but there's a 
there, there's literally a product where where it's named after the two a molecular product that's named after the two inventors and the male one got the Nobel Prize and the female one got left off the list. So so it's yeah, I mean and that's that's Jeez, just a couple, man. yeah. There's there's a whole there's a whole lot of them. But Hopefully, hopefully now the ladies will put more fucking effort in in the lab and make sure that they don't share their stuff <laughs> with any men. You know, never share your stuff with any man if you're if you're a woman. And mm. you know, at least the thing is, no man got shot next to Malala Yousafzai, or she would she would be like excluded. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the bus driver, the bus driver who got shot in the same bus. Uh, he he's the one that that we get the thing. But yeah, shame. You know, well, I actually was gonna make. Uh, this next fact, my my fifth fact, but I'm gonna squeeze it in as my fourth oh, nice, because nice. because women deserving credit go girl power August <laughs> the month of the women's month uh, one woman who couldn't be ignored because she was so uh, awesome Marie Curie Nobel Prize winner twice I think you gotta say it with a French accent though Marie Curie Marie Curie wow <laughs> there's wow. too many R's. There's a little thing. There's okay. a little thing. So she uh, uh, discovered a few things. Uh, she came up with the word, she coined the phrase radioactive. <laughs> so that band, it's got that song, radioactive, radio. Dietzel, no. What's that band's name? They tour ya. They <laughs> sing that song, Sex is on Fire. Which I don't oh. like. Uh, Kings of Leon. Is it? Well, Sex is on Fire is Kings of Leon. Uh, then imagine dragons. Who sings the. Ma- Imagine Dragons. Do you know? Am I, These are very is different. It, is it Imagine songs. Dragons song? Oh, Radio. Yes, yes. It, uh, yeah. yeah. So they have Marie Curie oh, to thank see. because she. No, coined, no. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Right. I wish to sit back just for a minute. She coined that. I just that enjoy friends. enjoy your diving into the whole Sex on Fire, Kings of Leon versus Imagine Dragons debacles. Let's Sorry. just enjoy that terrible era and hope that Deeds deducts a point for that because I'm making a deal out of it. Which did so? Do you like? Do you, are you precious about that? Do you like sexes I, on fire? Oh, I'm only precious about facts on this show because they may win me points. <laughs> and that's all I really care about is but the point system. So, you know, I've, I was, I've never been a fan of... of, of I'm, I'm, I like some of Imagine Dragons songs, but I've never been a big fan of Kings of Leon, but they've got massive fans out there. Yeah. So... I mean, um, I, you know what I like about I, Imagine I'd like Dragons? to say I think they sound a little similar. No. No, don't make me punch you. <laughs> do you. Do you know what I like about Imagine Dragons? Is this is a group of teenage boys who, instead of imagining what most boys were imagining at that age, were imagining dragons. Oh. No, like otherwise the band oh, would have been called Imagine Large Dits. <laughs> <laughs> They'd just been ordinary boys, you know? I like that song of theirs, Demons. Have you heard it? It's like, it's where my demons hide. Not like... <laughs> Demons, mm-hmm. my demons, my inner struggle demons. Yeah, no, there's nothing, there's nothing quite as angst-ridden as a teenage boy. I can tell you, no one bears the weight of the world quite like a fifteen-year-old boy. Fifteen-year-old boys jump in the in the comments. Let me yeah. know how much you hate me. <laughs> so, oh, Marie Curie, um, yes, uh, radioactive, and uh, then of course she died. But of a terrible thing, it was called aplastic anemia. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. I think you have, yeah. And uh, it's because of her exposure to all sorts of shit. To shit. But you know, she she had like she'd carry things radioactive things like I don't know if it was uranium or things like that. But like 
in her pockets and keep them in a top drawer mm. and she'd yeah, show her they, kids yeah. look when the lights when you switch the lights off it lets off a little glow isn't that cute and there yeah. was no protective clothing or anything like that and that's no, very no sad idea. very sad yeah but she, she so that first Nobel Prize of hers she won alongside her husband Pierre who clearly was the only man capable of giving credit to a woman in the history <laughs> of the Nobel Prize um but yeah, he uh, he landed up getting hit. I think I think he got hit by like a tram, or a bloody accident. Like, yeah, in he was Paris. Across the road, or a wagon, or you know, a road. Yeah, he got hit by something and he got run over, and then she she wound up winning a second Nobel Prize. Well, this is what makes her really special. She wound up winning a second Nobel Prize. Yes, I think she did. without him, like without him. Yeah. Well, what's amazing is well. I do like the periodic table of elements. I do like it. And what I like about it... (laughs) You know what I love a bit of in the morning? (laughs) I love love a bit of periodic table of the elements. Was it Mendel or Medvedev, the dude who put things in order based on the atomic number? But he predicted that there'd be like 144 of these things, which is a... It's a very like dimensions of heaven in the book of Revelations. Anyway, no, don't go there. Well, it's but also it's also it's twelve times twelve, which is what we study in grade one. Oh my god, mind blown. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like you and, go uh, all the way yeah, up to the twelve yeah. table. Why? And, uh, so you can amazing. reach this God number. Yeah. And so but of course they hadn't discovered all of them, but the prediction was that there'd be hundred and forty four, which is pretty cool. So so that's what I like about the periodic table. But they found a lot more than oh, they have found many, 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 many all more, of them yeah. now. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, when they had, when he had the table, he predicted there'd be so many. So oh. that only had like half the table when yeah, he was and around. Yeah, she's and got the separate section that she came along and, yeah. and created. Yeah. Yes, and so that's pretty cool. So she she discovered two, uh, and they were radioactive, and she isolated them very cleverly with her husband and I. So the one was called radium, uh, which just came from the radioactive part. Uh, but because these things el- emit different sort of lights, the the other one she discovered was called polonium, and it was named after the well, pink. Obviously, like pink polonium. Yeah, like it was a, a pink. It, it is. It was a pink hue. <laughs> And it looked like Poloni, and so she named it after. That's Poloni. not why why it was called Polonium, but it that's is, my it fact. Is, it is called Polonium, yeah, it is but called that's Polonium. not why it's called Polonium. Poloni. It's not. It's named a pinkish <laughs> radioactive hue. It is. It's a, it's half more. I don't sometimes, know. What's sometimes doing You're laughing podcast, at my facts. They R- Ryan, sometimes doing doing the podcast with you can sometimes make me angry, and I, I actually I've realised that anger is so much nicer than exasperation. Like what I'm experiencing right now, like. Polonium was named after Poloni. Like if you go to Gatsby, like store in in Cape Town, and you order Pol- Poloni, yeah. So no, Pol- Polonium was named after Poloni. Yeah, Poloni's been around a long time. I have a lot of rage inside of me, Ryan. Like a lot of rage, and it's 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 close to coming out. It's not named because it's a pink hue and after polonium. That's not true. That's not. That's You're saying not my true. facts not I'm, true. I'm saying it's called polonium. I'm yeah, saying it's not it's named, named after, after fucking Poloni. <laughs> it's like you fucking lunatic! The fact that you come here and be like, "Ah, oh, you know what he's gonna fall for? You know what? You know he's gonna fall for? Warren's a moron." Have more he's, of that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, one. maybe by this stage of the podcast, Warren will have eight beers, and he'll, and and somebody will have given him a frontal lobotomy, and also, like a part of the roof will have fallen and caved in his skull, and he'll be a twitching corpse, incapable of functional thought, and he'll believe that polonium. 
was named after Poloni. Fuck you, Ryan. <laughs> and so your final answer is? It's, no, it's not named after fucking Poloni. So then what so then what do you what else could it possibly be named after? Well, yeah, what else? Like literally anything else. I don't know what Poloni okay. breaks down. I don't know what the Latin phrase breaks down to, but Well, you won't believe it. Mm. I swear if you tell me it's named after Poloni, I'm gonna go kill myself. <laughs> so you said say her name in mm. a French accent and yeah. I could have, but uh she was not French. Did you mm. know? She was Polish. 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 So it's named after Poland. Poland, yeah. Ah, uh, wonderful. Yeah. See, that turned out to be a good fact after all, Ryan. Yes. You see, yes. even though you exasperate me, that's <laughs> genius. I've and, learned something. But I do want to say French because we had a sex episode the other day and I think <laughs> I think uh, a fetish of probably a lot of women is uh, to say things in a French uh, accent. Well, no, French words. Because French government ministries have got long-ass French names. Long-ass French names. So the, her body was exhumed, and they determined that it wasn't exposed to that much radiation. It was maybe when she was doing x-rays in World War I. Uh, and, um, and so they didn't think she died from the exposure to the stuff that was in her pocket and in her top drawer that was glowing, you know, when you switch the lights off. Uh, but they said the x-ray thing in World War I. But uh, she was exhumed by the... Um, uh, I'll tell you now. Office de protection contre le rayonnement inizwane. In, I, I think you were doing really well until inizwane, which no, sounded like somebody, <laughs> someone from Kozulu Natal. Yeah. Office de protection contre le rayonnement inizwane. Inizwane. Yeah. yeah. So well, that is the office for protection against ionizing radiation. So if you if you have a girl who's got a fetish for say French things, yeah, you to just got to learn all the names of all the organizations. My darling, Office de Protection contre le Renouement Inusion. That's not Swahili, darling. French. Sorry, Inusion. And then there's the uh, you can even throw in um, Institut National de Statistique et de Etudes Economiques. That's the Institu National Institute of Statistics and Economic Studies. I love, I that, think you, I love that you probably spent 30 minutes looking for the longest French. <laughs> and then look, so, I can tell you that the typing the phrase longest French anything into the internet is a very dangerous proposition. So, <laughs> so I admire what you did there, Ryan. I admire what you did. So that was Marie, uh, Marie Curie, a Polish. So I, Polish my fifth fact wasn't going to be this, but it's going to be this now. Um, that Marie Curie's family, in fact, won five Nobel Prizes. Holy shit balls! Okay, well, <laughs> that's that's her two plus plus her husband's one. So you're saying there's another family. two in her, in her immediate Polish, in her immediate no no Polish no 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 her immediate family, her immediate family. Yeah. Kids? No. Did they have kids? Did they have kids? Did they have kids? Yes, there's well, photos. Maybe her parents there's or photos. maybe her, her, you know, her brothers or sisters, but I'm saying her immediate family. Oh, that's, I think you're lying. Uh, it's a sneaky lie. And while <laughs> I think about your lie, I'm going to choose my next beer. I'm going for the Amber Ale. Amber. <laughs> nice. It was one oh, of, yeah, you calling one it of the, a, are you actually calling it a lie, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five. So are you saying... Uh, another two, probably, because obviously her and Pierre... In her immediate family, yeah. No, it's a lie. Another Nobel Prize, no. 
How much gold is that? No. That's <laughs> a lot of gold. Many medals. So many, many, like hundreds of millions What's, of dollars worth of medals. Kroners. Hey, you're Kroners. I reckon, hey. Yeah, I reckon her medals must be worth a fortune, right, Marie Curie's? Like, oh. That would be the one that people would want to own, right? Yeah. Hey, that there, that over there, above Who's, the TV, next to Joost van der Westen's and Springbok Rugby jersey. Oh, next to <laughs> Stransky's drop goal in 1995. That's Marie Curie's... Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> Yeah, but actually it's true. No, who are they? Her daughter, Irene Juliette Curie, won the Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 1935 for the discovery of artificial radioactivity with her husband, Frederick Juliette Curie, and her husband, so her son-in-law is the other one. So the two of them, yeah. So so who discovered it with her husband? The daughter. Yeah, so her daughter, Irene. Isn't that sweet? So they carried on the tradition of doing chemical things together and and both getting... And then you'll notice that the surname surname is Joliat Curie, right? And that's because his name was Frederick Joliat, and then he married uh, Irene Curie, and they decided to double-barrel their surname all the way back then. Yeah, like all the way back then. And they were... um, they were atheists. Sorry, Ryan. Yeah, it's who, like not Mary and Pierre and Pierre. All of them, yeah, Marie yeah, and Pierre. But you know whose fault that was? <laughs> Sartre. <laughs> Sartre was writing his plays in France. No, 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 Ryan. It's the devil. It's ultimately <laughs> always the devil's well, fault. Sartre is the devil. I'm joking. Anyway, no, I found no. it. I found it interesting that you said she also died of of uh, cancer because she did. Oh, she no. died in 1956 of an no. acute leukemia linked to her exposure to oh. polonium and X-rays. Oh, so, shame. I don't. I yeah. take. I take my glee back. That's not nice. But uh, you know, it is very, very tragic when you think that they did all that stuff without protective gear, and they. And now we know oh, what we know, know today about radio because of them. You know, it's that, that old, Yeah, it's that old joke. You know, where they like. Uh, how do we know which mushrooms we can eat? It's because some fucking guy back in the day ate all the mushrooms, told us what happened. Sometimes he died, you know. But that's the thing. Anyway. Well, you spoke. I think, you know what the tragic thing about the, the Nobel Prize is? Is that we know about these people because of their Nobel Prizes, right? Yeah. Like, if they had great cleavage, that would have also been a way for us to know about them in the modern era. You know, that's the only thing the media cares about is that these people have, oh, they've, they've got great cleavage, so-and-so is dating so-and-so, they're in this movie, they've got this Instagram account with 18 million followers. These guys actually had to work for their fame. They had, had to do this like... But Marie was a, was a bit of a looker, Marie. I, you know, I saw a picture of huh? her daughter and I was like, oh, it's, it's not bad for a dead person. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing us right back to my original point about funeral homes. Marie, I can't, well... Dietz's got to yeah, yeah. Look, hey, the, hey the, that's Marie when she's old, Dietz. That's unkind. Plus, that's plus, unkind. Yeah, she looks a bit like uh, who's that uh, serial killer, old Daisy Tamalka there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get us no, you oh, see, there you, you go. See, Hello, right. Marie. She's all right. Hello, yeah. Marie. Look at us. Look at us. Yeah, polonium. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, Dietz, they didn't have them. They didn't have the makeup they have these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He said it would looks like Ryan on the first episode. <laughs> oh, Marie, hey. Right. Yeah. So there you go. That was my fifth fact. You you got it wrong as it happened. I'm, I'm glad I, I'll save the other one for another later episode. Well, this episode of Human Achievement is about to take a very weird turn. Very weird turn indeed. We're talking about wonderful Nobel prize things and but <laughs> yeah. I want to tell you about a human achievement here on my oh, cell this phone. This is going to go weird. I thought the last one was weird, right? This is going even worse, isn't it? This is going to go super weird. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. I'm always ready. Uh, 
In an achievement, unlikely to ever be equaled. Nadia Comaneci got a 10. For the week of the 4th of April, 1964. Okay. On the Billboard Hot 100. <laughs> the Beatles occupied, oh, so it's not a Nobel Prize occupied the top case. five positions on the charts. What year? 1964. All five. In So, in other words... Number five was a Beatles song. This is this is the American Billboard Top 100. It's the American chart, really, of pop music. So number oh. five was a Beatles song. Number four was a Beatles song. Number three was a Beatles song. Number two was a Beatles song. And number one was a Beatles song. My word. All right. So, so now I have to do some thinking. In cause... the Top 100, they actually, in, in that week, they had a total of um, 12 songs. So the only thing I can think is that if that was ever true at any stage in the Beatles' history, it would be because of their their final album and the performance on the roof of the, you know, the of the studio and 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 oh, Abby, is Abby yeah, right, and then because eh? they hadn't performed live for years before that that actual final performance. But I think 1964 might be too early for that. I mean, I, I is that where are, the, is that where you two got the idea from when that when they sang uh, where the streets have no name. And they sang oh, the music know. videos on top of a recording studio. I think but, in but LA. So, so, so effectively, the Beatles went out in style, right? What they did was they, they, they had a last album where they wrote the music and then did a live show, um, all in kind of a few months. Like it was like two month period, and I think, uh, you know, it was around about 1964. And I, there's a part of me that feels 1964 might be a year or two early. But but it was it was around about that period, and then what they did was the classics that came out of that period because they they basically got stuck in a studio where they sat together and they wrote music and they were told by their by their guy, listen, we're going live in front of a crowd. There's going to be a crowd there. You're you're going to be on top of this building, whatever, and you have to write 14 new songs to fill the time that we've got on the BBC. Mm. And they sat and they did it. They wrote they wrote all these songs. And the songs that came out of that were like "The Long and Winding Road," "Wow," uh, "Obladi Oblada." Goodness me! Like there was there was a lot of like big big Beatles. Uh, what's the Magic Hammer one about murder? That was in amongst there. Wow! Yeah, just, there was a lot of there was a lot of very big kind of classic Beatles songs that came out of that writing session. And if that is the date of that writing session, I'm prepared to believe that for one week. That thing smashed all the records, and they got themselves to one, two, three, four, five. I'm prepared to believe that. If I'm early, though, if it says the era of Sergeant Peppers, then I don't believe it. So I have hmm. to just go. Hmm. I have to go. Like, when did the Beatles break up? It's effectively the 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 thing I have to ask my brain. I have to ask hmm. my brain to go and fetch the fact. When did the Beatles break up? Right. When did the, when did it all end? Hmm. Um. Oh, I'm prepared to say 1964. I'm prepared to. I'm prepared to say it. I'm prepared to. Yeah. All right. I'm, it's true. Oh my goodness it's me! True. Well, uh, I, I'm a massive fan. I've got a. I've got an episode of a podcast coming out soonish, which I did with my daughter because I'm educa- I educated her on. Um, Beatles and we shot it a while ago. It was and great. then does she have to put up with all the crazy shit I have to put up with? Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, and she, she had to. Yeah, during lockdown, yeah. I had to send. I sent Zia. her one. Let's yeah, I sent her one. Yeah, Zia, Zia, call me. We'll yeah. start a support group. Poor thing. I sent her a Beatles song every day, fifty <laughs> for five weeks. 
10 weeks because it was every weekday. Okay. So okay. she got the Beatles. Um, so your, your, your chronology is um, they broke up in, in the 70s. So I did there. Okay. Yeah, so it would have been maybe 71 or 72. So I'm what very you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. This, so let me first tell you, you said it's true and it is true. The fact okay. is true. I mean, I was true for entirely the wrong reason, but yeah. we, we've had that happen before. Yeah, yeah April 1964, they were, uh, they occupied the top five on the Billboard Hot 100. It was in the, the British invasion, they called it the British invasion. They'd gone to the Ed Sullivan show and they'd done their performance on the Ed Sullivan show. And it was all their beautiful early teeny bopper oh. stuff that hit top five. Number yeah, five yeah. was. I mean, now that I think about it, 1950s. Insanity, yeah, that, I, insanity that I even believed. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I'm deeply ashamed. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, yeah. number five was Please Please Me. Number four, I Want to Hold Your Hand. I wanna hold oh, your really hand. Really early Beatles. Yeah. yeah. She loves you was number one. three. She loves you. Yeah, yeah. Number two was uh I'll shake it a baby. Now shake it a baby. Twist it. That was number two. Twist and shout. And number one, can't buy me love. Love can't buy sure. me. Sure. Yeah. So that was uh yeah, I, never, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I Unlikely to ever be equaled. All five positions. And plus another seven Beatles songs on the top 100. I knew, I knew that they were huge after the Ed Sullivan show. I mm. never realized. You know, that never dawned on Very yeah. big. Yeah, as I said, literally when, when you said that. Human achievement, the, big. Yeah, when, when you said that, and, I, and I'm entirely messed up their timeline, I literally could only think of of that closing moment that sort of because they released 14 songs of which I think seven of them are like absolute classic Beatles yeah. no, you know, kind of number definitely. one and then and I was like well maybe at that point going out the way they did yeah it, it never occurred to me that they could have had all five top oh, like, top songs yeah, yeah at, no. at the beginning of their career at the beginning of their career yeah and my, I talk about it in my ep with, with ZZ when I, I did the Beatles ep with ZZ but she was like uh, yeah I was I was like there's not many bands I can off the top of my head name 50 songs from there's not many artists musical pop to, songs to be fair Beatles, I can just to, name to, it to be Boom. fair Beatles there were about 12 bands that were around at the time you know like compared to now yeah. These guys, these guys are fighting for airtime with yeah. with ten million bands. You know, like back then there were twelve bands, and they all knew each other, and they were mates, and, yeah. and they were releasing all of the music around the world. So I suppose it was a different era. In, yeah, in, many I ways. Mean, in fact, I don't want to go down a little rabbit hole here of, of uh, pop music, but hey, this beer's great. So, um, <laughs> but I think their second hit was so "Love Me Do" was their first hit. They were talking about what they, to release as their second hit, and they eventually went with "Please Please Me," which is great. But one of the options was um, "How Do You Do What You Do to Me," which is from uh, the other Liverpool band who sing the Liverpool song uh, "You'll Never Walk Alone." Jerry and the Pacemakers. Right. So so Jerry and the Pacemakers released How Do You Do What You Do To Me? And one of the options was let the Beatles do a version of that now. And and Paul Paul and John said, no, well, they'll never let us back in Liverpool if we do that. So we're not going to do that. So that was a good decision. So they went and, and released Please Please Me or wrote Please Please Me as their second follow-up because that was a big challenge back in those days. You, you, you land a hit. Because you release it, and what's your second one? And please, please me was cool, and they didn't go with how do you do what you do to me. <laughs> we were Jerry, 
from Liverpool, Jerry and the Pacemakers. Right, well, there you go. <laughs> no, wonderful, wonderful. And an entirely not Nobel Prize winning achievement. But, but as you say, again, one of... But again, one of those one of those achievements that'll never be repeated, right? No, yeah, I don't no, think so. No, there's now ten million bands that are all vying for those spots. You know, I think yeah, if you, you know, you, you know, when you you talk about like a band like Pink Floyd that were on the charts for twenty years yeah. with Dark Side of the Moon for twenty years, they were legitimately uninterrupted on the charts. Yeah, that's never gonna happen again. No. It's just impossible to happen. Like it's just not. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but. Um, yeah, I, I did not know they were that they were that huge early on. I, yeah. I did know that the Ed Sullivan show had made them massive. I didn't realize it was that big. And uh, well, there you go. You see, you see, you say stupid thing, stupid thing, stupid thing, and then <laughs> did we talk something Beatles? Amazing. Yeah, and then something amazing, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm very, very. Polonium, impressed. no, Polonium. All right, we're going with a multiple choice now. All right, so I'm going to talk about who here. Never won oh, shame. a Nobel Peace Prize. A Peace Prize? A oh, Peace Prize, right. yeah. South African Apartheid President F.W. de Klerk. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi, okay. I was going to say, but given that you... you Answered you it in the podcast. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say Israeli, Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin. Okay. Uh, the United Nations and Kofi Annan together. Okay. Joseph Stalin. Okay. Mikhail Gorbachev. <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, come on. No, definitely. Oh, come on. No, definitely. I think Stalin, get the fuck out of here, Joseph Stalin. I would say uh, Yitzhak Rabin because when they were doing the double giveaways, <laughs> I sound like the a double shop. giveaways. Yeah. Yeah, like the Nelson Mandela FW so Clack, like buy one, get one free. <laughs> <laughs> shop right checkers special yeah double giveaways this weekend at shop right checkers <laughs> buy the oil yeah. yeah so they gave the uh then i think that's when they gave the yitzhak rabin and uh, yasser arafat even uh as a that's double, absolutely correct double yeah. Whammy. yeah that's right um i think gorbachev because he negotiated the end of the soviet union so nicely i can see him as also are being you, a, are you certain you've got the date correct on that uh yeah gorbachev was the last leader of the soviet union uh, before uh, it became a democratic Russia uh, mm. under Boris Yeltsin. Uh, so Micha- was Mikhail Gorbachev seen as a peacemaker? Uh, I wonder. Um, Kofi Annan, I, I actually, I might have even remembered him and the UN playing a hell of a job uh, in keeping Look, peace. Kofi Annan, there's no doubt that what he did at the UN was, was next level. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't even know who the, the head of the UN, the UN is these days, but exactly, Kofi Annan yeah. was obviously a he, prominent figure who, who dominated the news cycle. Is what he did. Yeah, PR yeah. man. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. Yeah, as I say, so this, I got to tell you, I think this fact initially started. As, let's get the out of here. Stalin say, this fact initially started be. as a Mahatma Gandhi thing, but you you flummoxed me by doing it as your fact early on. Yes. And like in case people think we cheat this thing, you know what I mean? Like I, I got I got dicked in we here. Don't. Yeah, we no, don't. we really don't. He really <laughs> does. Really, really I did really make him angry. He really was gonna <laughs> murder me. If I'm still gonna <laughs> murder him. <laughs> with a with a thing of Poloni, he's gonna beat me a thousand times in the head with a oh, thing. It's definitely gonna happen. But yeah, I mean, um so so you're saying Joseph Stalin. 
And what, why, was, Joseph Stalin? Why would you say that he's not? Because uh, um, obviously he ended World War Two, right? He's I the official peacemaker that. of World War Two. Yeah, and there was those. Um, where did those three meet? The famous meeting, the uh, Transatlantic Treaty. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, uh, FDR and yeah, Versailles. Was it? Yeah. Okay, I, th- I got the impression it was sort of almost Israel. I think it was, think it was Versailles. Might have been. Oh no, you see, Israel. you have this talent. I might, I might be wrong. Israel. No, I might or be wrong. Turkey or something. You know, no. Oh my goodness! I I have read something recently. Well, I think it signed, was no, even around the, the Ukraine or I Crimea. Think they, I think they signed the World War Two end of World War Two treaty at Versailles. Weren't they? Wasn't there was a meeting at at even like Crimea, which is very very controversial for for the modern world what we're going through, um, but. Yeah, so what's the I, biggest I, body of water? I'm literally making this up on the spot. What's the biggest body of water in the Ukraine? Uh, salt water or fresh water? No, the biggest the biggest body of water. Oh, what's it called? Sea. What's it called? Yeah, what's it's it called? Sea. No, but what's it called? Uh, is it the Black Sea? No, it's it's called the Justin Timberlake <laughs> because it's a Crimea River. <laughs> I'm literally here all week. Like I'm not. Like I'm not going anywhere. We were laughing at teachers going, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's Justin Timber Lake because we're going to be a river. Shame. Okay. <laughs> Shame. Um, yes. No, indeed. Yeah, uh, no, that's you see now is your opportunity to get angry with me. That's how this works. Yes. Yeah, but that was that was that was funny. That was funny. <laughs> um, I um. Yeah, so I, I actually recall reading that that the the place where they met for some reason or a photo shoot or something like that was was Crimea. Um, but yeah, Versailles was definitely part of that end of the world, Second World War. Uh, would they have given him a Nobel Prize? She was. I think they would have rather given it to Gorbachev because that euphoria uh, in that era when mm. Madiba came out no, of jail right, yeah, yeah. and the the wall fell, uh, that was people were saying. It's like the world is a cool place again because the end of the Cold War, end of apartheid. There's just this big time epic. Yeah, yeah we're, we're maybe the world's going to work out. Yeah, and I might have said, Gorbachev, pull in, <laughs> pull in, pull yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, surprise, China. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. It was not. It was not uh, Gorbachev who, who. It was not Stalin who won the Nobel Peace Prize, but. Gorbachev. Okay. Well, I'm delighted that it became even a debate in your head because, as I said, like initially for me, that was a Mahatma Gandhi fact that I that I messed up. But it, you're right. It was oh. Joseph Stalin who uh, didn't. who who didn't win it. Uh, he was nominated in 1945 and 1948. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so, so the, yeah. Yeah. because yeah, he was yeah. considered one of the big sure. peacemakers of the end of the World War. Uh, yeah. Even though he was a mass murdering. Fuck Todd, uh, Joseph Stalin fans. Yeah. <laughs> when did his real bullshit start of really I mean, being a dick, yeah. of, of killing his own people and, and also – but they kept it under wraps yeah, and stuff. Yeah, they but, did for but, a long time. Yeah. But um, was it known – was it before the mid-40s or was it only maybe after? No, I think in general he – yeah, he was definitely murdering a lot of people and he was doing it from early on in his reign. He was uh, – yeah. I mean even when, even when you think about – the pre-World War II invasion of Finland. Oh, you know, yeah. he's he's basically killing, he's killed so many generals, he's done the putsch before that, which is one of the reasons why the invasion of Finland is such a disaster is because he's already killed off a lot of the senior members of his military. 
So yeah, like he's 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 problematic yeah. right from the get go. He I doesn't see. he doesn't yeah. But but he was nominated in 1945 and 1948 for for uh, peace prize. Good in fact, grief. in fact, uh, Adolf Hitler was nominated for a peace prize in 1939. That's hysterical. Yeah, I mean, it, we think so <laughs> because yeah. a Swedish legislature a legislator had nominated him as a joke. And everyone thought it was horrific joke, <laughs> and they were, they were, they condemned this guy, and there was this art cry, and there was all this thing, and he had to retract it, and the the whole thing, the whole nomination got retracted. Um, but yeah, like right now, it's pretty funny that 1939, you nominate Adolf Hitler. I mean, you're subverting the entire thing, right? Good, good job. Anyway, you're right. Oh. Joseph uh, Stalin. Is... The, the Führer makes a little mention and gets a little mention <laughs> in my final multiple choice fact. Uh, human achievement. I've gone back to the Olympic Games, and you, you uh, talk Jesse Owens here, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, my my fact is more about the um, the world record for the four by one hundred meters. Oh, yes. uh, it's a beautiful thing, and I I just love Jamaica because of their music. And because their, of the movie their Cool Runnings. And the movie Cool Runnings. And the cricket man. They play good cricket in Kingston. I don't think you're allowed to do a Jamaican accent. Oh, bugger. Damn it. Yeah, that, oh. yeah I know. You spent all those years with dreadlocks and an IRE. <laughs> like, and so the... Um, I'll, I'll give you the fact, then I'll talk a bit about time okay. and stuff. But the world record for the 4 by 100 meters men, men was set at the London Olympics 2012. And it was Jamaica. They won that one, and they I broke. I mean, that's Usain Bolt and the. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, they broke the thirty-seven second mark. So, under forty seconds. Yeah, you know, it's just like that's three of your three of your runners are running sub ten. Yeah, one hundred meters. Yeah. That's yeah, Look, that's amazing. It, yeah, if you think about it, you know, and uh, some of them are doing it on corners. Yes, but I think when you have to start on take your marks, get set, you're you're, you're on your knees, and then. You, st- you know, it's a slow start to your yeah yeah okay fair enough of yeah. maximum speed. So, but when you can have a bit of a bit of a run, bit of a run, pause me the button, fucking go. Yeah. Then you you might be in a better momentum. Yeah, you still three of you are cracking under ten seconds for a hundred meters. Time. No, big and, time. And and that's on a curve. Yes. Yeah. That's, so that's at the twenty twelve race, which of these names was not part of that awesome foursome? Uh, Nesta Carter, Michael Freiter, Asafa Powell, Johan Blake. Usain Bolt. I'll repeat those five. Nesta Carter, Michael Freiter, Asafa Powell, Johan Blake, Usain Bolt. Sure. I mean, the last three are all very big names, right? They're all, all big names. Yeah, they're all very big names. So, I mean, I feel like the reason you've made this your – you see, now I'm getting my own head. But mm. the reason you made this your thing is because one this of the – like Warren Psychology yeah. now. No, no, yeah, no, no, gonna... no, no, you're getting my head. Because – so the, the the three of them, you just want to go, yeah. The next three, they're absolutely – like they were part of it. Asafa Powell. Um, Johan Blake. Yeah. Usain Bolt. And Usain Bolt. And then okay, it's – Okay, Nesta Carter, it's, Michael Freiter. Mm. So Michael Freiter is a name I know. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say Asafa Powell. And I'm going to say it. <laughs> I'm going to say it because Nestor is the only name I don't know, which means it can't be him, right? So I'm going to say Asafa Powell. Go for it. Let's be done with this. Let, let's, let's stop this farce of me pretending that I know anything about athletics. This is the first episode, ladies and gentlemen, where I'm fucking walking off. I've had <laughs> oh, this guy's bullshit. That's not fair. That's not fucking fair. I thought I had him. I'm going to fucking 
had him. <laughs> Everyone knows a sofa pal. You were supposed to you were supposed to agonize over Nesta Carter or Michael Freighter because a sofa pal's so popular. But a sofa wasn't there in 2012. Oh, there How you did go. you fucking you fucker? We did it. We we got each other's multiple choice. Fucker. It's a tiny yes. episode. So indeed, well done, Warren. I don't know how you did that. But Nesta started. He handed it to Michael. He handed it to Johan, who handed it to Usain Bolt. And they broke 37-second barrier. It's never been done since. 36.85. And uh, yes, they blitzed it and they won uh, comfortably. But actually, in a a closest second in the United States. Not bad 36, at all. 36.85 implies that all four of them were fractionally yeah. under 10 seconds. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So uh, if insane. you if you look at the 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 why I say uh, the Führer, of course they gave him the Olympic Games in uh, to try and appease the madman. They thought, oh, let's throw him the Olympics. But yeah. like they did with uh, Russia giving them the Soccer World Cup and the Winter Olympics. What about Qatar? Yeah, but they're not going to invade <laughs> no, anybody I mean, else anytime know. soon. <laughs> These guys might lose their minds when we take away <laughs> oil. <laughs> Start going with the sun or energy instead. So, um, but what's significant about uh, Berlin 36 is uh, the United States, 4 by 100 meter team, broke the 40 second barrier. Okay. And they had in their team Jesse Owens. Very yeah, cool black dude, and then another significant uh, barrier. That was the last that was time broken. that white people ever won anything to do with running. Is, is that right? <laughs> in the fifties, yeah. Germany had some pretty good record-breaking goes at the four by one hundreds. And that's only because Germany just like black people just refused to travel to Germany. <laughs> is that what it is? I don't know what happened yeah. there. Like, um, there's always who's who is it that does that stand-up bit about like. All, all 100 meter finals, the seven black guys, and then a dude from Sweden in the eighth low. Yeah, that's hysterical. <laughs> oh, it's Martin Jonas. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it is hysterical. And he's, then he runs 10.86. <laughs> Best time this year. It's gonna, oh, fuck's sakes. Yeah. Please. Embarrassing us. And, um, and uh, then another sort of significant barrier which is broken was the 38 second mark. And that was broken uh, in 1984. Um, and can you guess? It was actually 83, was, but was can you LA? guess who was 84? Yes, LA. Can you guess who was in USA's team? 84? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Carl Lewis? Yes. Yeah. Yes, he was in that team. So that was quite a significant little barrier that was broken. And now they're down to 36.85. What the fuck are the humans yeah, 36.85 is do insane, next? right? It's quick Human achievement. Well, it's it's about finding four people who could run under ten from a little find, island in the Caribbean, yeah, rather than finding one guy who can do it. You know, it's about finding four. Oh, it's insane. It's it's amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Anyway, this was this was a good podcast. Whatever we land up calling We've it. We've achieved very well as humans <laughs> in this podcast. Oh, oh, Ryan, thank you for being the first person to ever say that to me. Um this was this was great. Thank you very much. Yeah, um thank you. We don't know what thank we're gonna you. call it yet, this podcast. So whatever you see on the title, you know. Also, if you if you hate all the same things as us, please jump in the comments and tell the people who love the same things we hate. To fuck off. I like love bologna. I love bologna. <laughs> but a mayonnaise, tomato sauce. No. White bread. Toasted cheese and bologna is one of the most delicious things in the entire world. Like it's not the pre-cut slices. Yeah, but not toasted cheese and polonium. <laughs> cheese and, <laughs> not toasted delicious. cheese and polonium is, is horrible. Anyway, this was hey, great. Yes, thanks for listening and yeah. watching. We'll see you next week. Cheerio.